All right, good morning. Hope you enjoyed having Jeff and his team here this morning. And, right, make sure you tell them how much you appreciate them. We just love how God puts stuff together. We were kind of put together by uh, someone we got introduced to and mutual friend. And I love how God puts stuff together just like that. So it is Palm Sunday, and we're going to conclude and kind of finish up where we've been on this whole series called Move, and the whole idea was we wanted to look at familiar narratives, and what's more familiar than the Palm Sunday story, and look at them and try to look at something new, get a new insight on them, and by, and and how are we doing this, and what are we using to kind of help us get some new insight, which I hope will help you in your Bible study someday, will help you as you're opening the Word to start asking these questions. There is something that the Jewish world knows called a remez that links what's going on in Scripture to something in the Hebrew Scriptures. So as you're reading, we've kind of done this all along, that we've been reading a parable, we've been reading a a narrative of Jesus, and it has linked us back to something in the Hebrew Scriptures that just helps us go, oh, that's why they did that, that's why that happened, that's why it took place. So hopefully then you can start asking those questions when you're reading and you're going, I wonder why they did that. So I've just been kind of asking those questions in all sorts of different places and including this week the Palm Sunday story that we've all read that's all in the Gospels. I've just been asking some different questions. Why did they do that? What made them do the things that they did on that Palm Sunday as Jesus is entering Jerusalem? So Hopefully, we'll catch on and see some new things today. And the whole reason why we're doing this, my big why, is I want you to understand the deepness and richness of the text. We so take for granted that this is in our hands, and we have access to this on our phones, and we just have unprecedented access to this word that I think we almost take it for granted. We don't understand, like, oh, yeah, I've already read that story. Some of you are going, uh, Ed, uh, I've been in church a long time. I think I know what Palm Sunday is about, right? That, that's what we just do. And our, and our, what happens to us is what I've described before. It's called the lullaby effect. We just read over stuff because, oh, yeah, I've heard that story forever. And hopefully this will just help you understand there is such deepness and richness to the text, and it would just draw you in that, oh, there might be something I'm missing that God wants me to see that's really going to help and enhance what I understand about Scripture. So the whole move today and the whole move that was all about this triumphal entry is moving from empire to shalom. And you'll see that as we unfold today uh, what this is kind of all about and what it is. Shalom we normally just think of as a word called peace. It really means the completeness, God bringing everything back together again and wanting to partner with us to put the world back together again. That's what he has been all about. That's what shalom is about. It's really not just the word peace. It is about overall peace that he wants to do. And we'll see, we all have a tendency for empire. We just all have this tendency for empire. So on Palm Sunday, there's a couple things I want you to know before we kind of dive into the text in Matthew. And that is the big picture of context. If you don't understand what's happening that day, you could miss some things that are taking place. The week of Passover is a big deal. It is a big deal. I mean, it's such a big deal that you left your homes and you traveled to Jerusalem. Uh, there's, there's sections of the Psalms that are traveling songs that they sang as they went to 
Jerusalem for Passover. They just did this every single year. So it was like, yeah, just take all our holidays, wrap them into one, and you travel to Jerusalem for this. It was a big deal. So Jerusalem just swelled with millions of people that would come in order to celebrate Passover. Now, the thing with Passover is it was also a week of tension for Rome because the Jewish people refused to worship the emperor. They just refused. Not doing it. Okay, we'll, we'll pay your taxes, right? We'll do all the other things that you do, but we are not worshiping the emperor. And the emperor was always kind of worshiped as God, and no, nope, no, nope, we're not doing that. And so Rome, and it's kind of interesting history, gives the Jewish people a concession. That's why, by the way, there was so much contention with the early church, while they Jewish or not. Only the Jewish people get an exemption. So what happens now? So this is a week of tension. Because it's a week of tension, we need to understand something about Pilate. Does Pilate always live in Jerusalem? He's always just like living there, camped out there? No. He actually lives in a place called Caesarea Maritime. And he makes his way to Jerusalem because it's such a tension week. And he's come to say, I'm here. Knock it off, okay? We don't want any problems. We don't want anything to happen, okay? And this is what took place. So he's traveling to Jerusalem. Now, what's absolutely fascinating is it is really, really possible that Pilate arrived at the same day, maybe even the same hour as Jesus is going to ride in. And it would have been a huge contrast. Here's the empire. Here's Rome coming in with all its power. Pilate on a white stallion. I'm in charge. I'm in control. And then comes in Jesus. Pilate would have came in from the west. Jesus comes in from the east. And it would have been incredible scene that would have taken place that day. But you need to know there's a lot of tension already in Jerusalem because Pilate's there to go, knock it off, okay? That we're not having insurrections. We're not having issues. We're not having problems. And that's why he showed up every Passover in order to stop and make sure nothing would happen and nothing would take place. So the piece we're going to be in is Matthew chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. You can follow along on the screen. If you're watching at home, right on the bottom of the screen will be all the scriptures for you so you can kind of follow along with us. We're going to look at Matthew's narrative because here comes Pilate with all his heralds, all declaring empire. Uh, just think of, it was in our day, John Williams would have produced the Imperial March from Star Wars, and they would have came in to that, okay? But that didn't exist then. So just use your imagination that they're coming in with all this fanfare, all these heralds, all this empire, 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 and here comes Jesus in stark contrast to that. But the crowd, the way it reacts, I, I want us all to kind of understand why. And I want us to understand, where are we? Am I got a heart that's after empire? I want empire. I want the sword. I want to rule. Or am I after what God's after to put the world back together again and be about his shalom and his completeness? So here we go. Now, when they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples telling them, go to the village ahead of you right away, and you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them. Now, this is really important, and we won't touch this till the very end this morning. But this is one of the few narratives that talks about two donkeys. And there's, I think there's a reason he does this, okay? Uh, so we have two. Whereas you read other ones, you're like, well, it's just a donkey. What's going on here? Because they're trying to get us 
to get ourselves in that picture and consider what would we do that day. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, right, because what are you doing? You a donkey thief? Okay, what are you doing? Why are you taking our donkey? Just tell them this. The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. That's all you need to say. That's all you need to do. And by the way, it's the same thing that happens as they celebrate the Passover in the upper room. So you think disciples are like, oh, yeah, we know how this works. You just go ask somebody, and they, here's the keys. Go have fun, right? Uh, here's the upper room. They're used to this because this is how Jesus operated. He relied on the hospitality of other people. So this all took place. So Matthew is going to give us a little clue what we should be looking back to in the Old Testament. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Tell the people of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, unassuming, seated on a donkey. And so, Dari tells us, so the disciples went and did as they instructed. They brought the donkey and the colts and placed their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. So, now, watch the crowd's reaction. So Pilate's coming in from the west, maybe even at the same time. This would have been an incredible contrast. Pilate's coming in from the west, and he's coming in, and he's got all, all the flair, all the circum, all, all, everything going for him. It's all about empire. And here comes Jesus. And the way the crowd reacts to him, you're like, what's going on? What, what's going on? And I want you to see, this is just all part of the text, why they react the way they do. Number one, they're dealing with Rome. And you've got to understand, we don't get this. I don't understand this. Nobody in the room probably understands this. Maybe, uh, maybe someone online, but most of us do not understand this. What it's like to be oppressed by somebody else. What it's like to have another nation in telling you stuff. Telling you, you're going to do this. You're going to pay these taxes. I don't care. I don't care if you don't have enough money to live on. You're paying these taxes. That's what happened all the time. And they were so oppressed. They were looking for somebody to come and save them, to rescue them. And that's what Messiah, they all along thought was going to do. He's going to come in. He's going to kick Rome out. And this is going to be a great day. So guess what happens on this day? Pilate's coming in. And here comes Jesus. And the very last crowd, they spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those following kept shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, which, by the way, is just a word we, we kind of Englishized, okay? You know how that works. We don't know what to do with it. We don't translate it, save us, or God save us, as literally it is. So we just take the Jewish word, Hoshana, and we just make it Hosanna. That's, that's just what we did in that case. Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And this, they're all shouting. It's a, it's a huge, huge, huge scene. And he entered Jerusalem. The whole city was thrown into an uproar. Maybe because Pilate's coming in, because Jesus is coming in. What this all means to them is the uproar, okay? And this is what they're saying. Who is this? By the way, great question to ask on Palm Sunday. If you've not asked that question yet, if you're wrestling with that question, who is this? Maybe in other cases it's put, who is this man? Who is this Jesus? You ought to wrestle with that. You ought to ask questions about that. You ought to dig into that and find out who he is. Because every single person has to wrestle with that question. Who is he? And they said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So have you ever asked this question? Why the palm branches? See, see, when when you understand there's some link backs, you ever thought, why? 
that had they fallen down? Was there right? Why did they do that? Why did they cut the branches from the palm trees and start laying them on the road and waving them? And this was a huge celebration. I started asking that question because I thought well, they do this all the time. Do they? Is this something normal? And what you find is it's because of what Zechariah talks about and why they were in such an uproar and why they were yelling um, Hosanna. And what was going on when Jesus is entering the city? This is really, really important. It's all for us in the text. So in Zechariah, in chapters both 9 and 14, I'm going to hit a couple of verses in each. So you know what they're thinking on that day. They had sat in synagogue and they had heard, they heard their teachers talk about Zechariah. They had memorized the text. And to see someone come riding in from the Mount of Olives on the donkey based on Zechariah, would have sent the whole place into an uproar. They're not going, huh, I wonder why he's doing that. They're going, oh, yeah, Zechariah is being fulfilled right now. So what's in the text? Well, remember this part. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. And they're shouting, right? Look, your king is coming to you. He is legitimate and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a young donkey, the foal of a female donkey. So they're excited. Because Jesus isn't riding a white stallion. That's Pilate's deal. He's on a donkey, and that's Zechariah. And what's happening is the king is finally coming. So you don't understand what they're thinking. Yes, it is Liberation Day, okay? It is Freedom Day. Rome getting kicked out of here, and this is going to be awesome. By the way, Jesus would have had his own disciples that would have loved, loved this. When you're reading the list sometimes, of Jesus' disciples, who were in his core 12, right? There is a man by name of Simon. Not Simon Peter, there's another Simon. And he's called Simon the Zealot. Do you know what zealots were? They were just guys that packed. If guns were back then, they'd have had a gun, okay? They would have had whatever necessary in order to overthrow Rome. That was, that was their means, Hey, right? God doesn't care, they're the enemy. So they would, have had, they would have had any instrument they could have to try to deal, and they would have been very violent. And they loved this idea. Simon probably, Simon's probably cheering the loudest. He's probably like, yes, get out my sword. Here goes Rome. Okay, He would have been excited over what was happening here because the king is now coming. And if you go to chapter 14, guess what they say? The Lord will then be king over all the earth in that day. The Lord will be seen as one with a single name. Then all, and this is, this is going to tie us into our palm branches. Why on earth did they tear those down? And then all who survive from all nations that come attack Jerusalem. And they're like, that's Rome, okay? And we dealt with other people before then, okay? We'll go up Jerusalem annually to worship the king, the Lord of heaven's armies, and to observe the feast of shelters. Now, we can all be honest this morning, this is church. Leviticus is not fun to read. Most of us skip over it or read it really fast when it's in our year Bible plan. It's okay. You can admit it, right? We're like, I don't understand what any of this has to do with it. There's a festival that God set up for them to remember things. One of them is the Feast of Shelters. And do you know what they were supposed to do on the Feast of Shelters? Remember, they're seeing, oh, the king is coming. This is awesome. And everybody's going to come and they're going to celebrate the Feast of Shelters, which Leviticus tells us on the first day you must take for yourself branches from the majestic trees, the palm branches, branches of leafy trees. 
and Willis of Brooks, and you must rejoice before the Lord for seven days. They are going. This is the Feast of Shelters. This is, or it's also called the Feast of Tabernacles. And they're ripping down palm branches, and this is awesome what is happening. The king has arrived. Rome is gone. What a great day to be alive, to be able to see this and be able to witness this. That's what they experienced. They knew the text. This is what's really important and what I've tried to get you to understand over and over again. The people around Jesus, whether it's the woman who touched the tassels of his garment and was healed, she knew her text. The disciples, when they were on the sea and, the, and Jesus calmed it, and they said, oh my goodness, this is the Lord, they, and referred back to Psalms, they knew their text. And when you know your text, you can act on your text. And this is what they did that day. This is the king. He's come to conquer. This is a great day. This is Zechariah all fulfilled. This is awesome. Rome was to be done. And that's what they all thought that day. That's what they all would have experienced that day. They would all have been shouting about. But if you ever noticed that in Luke, and Luke alone gives us a different reaction from Jesus. Now, we know there's a reaction where the chief priests come in and say, you need to tell everybody quiet down. He's like, no, they can shout. They can shout, they can proclaim, and he tells them that. But what was his reaction to this scene? That's what I want you to see. Because it's quite odd. It's quite odd, unless you understand what we know now about that day. Here's Jesus' reactions from the book of Luke, chapter 19. Again, that day, that Palm Sunday. Now, when Jesus approached the city, when he saw the city, he wept over it. You know the weird reaction? Wait a minute. Okay. If somebody's throwing you a parade, just, just, you know, think about this for a moment. Okay. Uh, if somebody's throwing you a parade, are you there crying? Uh, no, you're there celebrating. Well, what's going on? What's happening that Jesus looks at the city, looks at the scene, Pilate's coming in and everything that's taking place. And the people think, oh my goodness, the King has come. What's Jesus thinking? He tells us, saying, if you had only known on this day, even the things that make for, oh, there's our word peace again. Just substitute the word shalom for a moment, would you? But now they are hidden from your eyes. Can I just tell you what Jesus saw? Ugh, you've missed the point. The point was not to get rid of Rome. The point was not that you need a political uprising. You don't need a political savior. You need something better than that. But that's what they wanted. That's what they wanted. They wanted Rome gone because Rome just being gone would have solved all their problems. And Jesus is going, no. No. It really won't. But that's what we do. We, we think we have our own solution. So God needs to step in and take care of stuff. And when it's not that way, we really don't know what to react. And so Jesus looks out of the crowd and he weeps at his own parade where they are celebrating him coming in on that Palm Sunday. I think he wept because of this whole thing called Empire and Shalom. The people around did not want what God wanted, did not want what Jesus was there for, in order to put the world back together again, partnering with God. They just wanted a different empire, their own empire. Let's get rid of Rome, let's kick them out of here, and everything will be great. 
And when you're reading this text, you know what you find out, and it's really uncomfortable, and it's okay. We want the same thing at times. We absolutely want the same thing. I mean, if God would just do it our way, everything would be perfect, right? Anybody else there with me? If, if God would just listen to you, and, and now, no, God, 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 time out. Can you just do it my way? It's going to be perfect. If you just do it my way, it would just look wonderful and great and awesome. If anybody else have those conversations with God, we just, God, if you just do it my way, it'd go perfect. And God's going, no, 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 no. And he always has a bigger plan and purpose in putting the world back together again. So what do I want you to remember? Why they cut down Palm? I want you to remember some things on this Palm Sunday. More than just you can look back and see something happening here and see what they were reacting to and why it was such a ruckus when Jesus entered Jerusalem that day sitting on that donkey because they thought the king has arrived, Rome is gone, we're in charge again, this is great. So would you lean in for a moment that we would remember these things on this Palm Sunday? The first is this. Jesus did not come to conquer Rome. Put any other empire you want in there. He came to conquer sin, death, hell, and the grave. And that was far more important. Now, I realize they didn't think so. Just like most of the time, we don't think so. But yeah, but, but God, if you, did, you just kick these certain people out of power, it would be so much better. Okay? He did not come to conquer, to be an empire. He came to conquer sin, death, hell, and the grave and begin to put the world back together again and gave them what they needed the most and they missed it in that moment. I wonder how often we do the same thing. We just miss it because we want something else, convinced that will give us exactly what we need. So would you, on this Palm Sunday, remember what Jesus did come to conquer and that that is the most important thing? And, and, and that we would set aside all, all that anticipation, all that, all that wanting for empire and partner with God in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, in putting the world back together again because he conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. Number two, Jesus, Jesus came to offer true peace. We could use the word shalom there that lasts for eternity, not a political peace to last for a moment. Because that's what it would have done, okay? And, and, and you and I, we, I, I, I get in these traps. Do, do you realize, I, I don't know how many years we're going on, but like every four years for the past, I don't know, 40, it's been the most important election of our lifetime. Anybody else caught on that? I mean, it's that narrative over and over again. And, and at times, we get all fired up about that. And are we really that fired up about what Jesus came to do and give people the peace that is a lasting peace? A lasting peace. Because I don't know about you. We can confess this morning. I get caught up in that other very easily. But God, if you just fix this, it's going to be so much better. It'd be so much better. Yeah, but I came to give eternal peace, peace that lasts forever, not just a momentary get rid of this person, get rid of this party, get rid of this, so that we could have our own version of peace. 
His peace is always better. His shalom is always better in putting the world back together again. May I dare say in putting our lives back together again. Number three, Jesus came to restore relationships and reconcile all things, not to establish a country club. Not to establish a country club. We, boy, we, we do get that way at times, do we? we? We just get that way. And it doesn't take much reading, at least in the Gospel of Matthew, if you want to start there. And just start seeing all the outsiders. You want to know what Jesus in trouble so often? It was the outsiders that got invited in constantly. Why are you reading with those people? Why are you visiting with those people? You shouldn't be talking to them. You shouldn't be ministering to her. You should rebuke these people. You should do this. You should do that. Because they couldn't help but push people out and, and make decisions on who's allowed in. And Jesus just kept allowing people in. And he just kept messing them up and messing them up and messing them up. And he did this even with his own inner circle. Go back to that 12. What do you think the day was like when he invites Matthew? I'm telling you, they ain't sitting around the campfire seeing kumbaya, loving one another. Okay? We get the, I don't know where we get these pictures. Oh, I'm telling you. Simon Peter and say, Matthew, you're awesome. He's probably thinking, Matthew, you know how much money you stole from me? You know how much money you took from me? Oh, you ain't getting in this group unless I get a few punches in on you, right? I mean, it would have constantly been this. Jesus has been refereeing a lot of the time until they understood what he was about. Okay, he invites in Simon the Zealot, all packing, going, oh, I don't know what you guys are doing. These are the weapons to take care of people, okay? That's what he would have came in with, sitting around the campfire, fully ready to go. Who do I go kill? That's how he would have thought. And all these different people are invited in because this is what God loves to do. He loves to restore relationships. He loves to reconcile all things to himself. And he's not about sitting there wanting a country club to exclude all sorts of different people who don't match up to some sort of standard we come up with. He loves to say, oh, no, come to me. Come to me and watch your life radically change incredibly changed as I reconcile you because I died in your place and I restore all things and I put the world back together. He would love to partner with us in that if we would just let him do that. So remember I mentioned at the very beginning of this, there's two donkeys in Matthew. This is weird, right? Why is there two? Well, quite often they would add a second in order to invite the person to ride along. Matthew would have understood this. Teachers did this quite often. You, you include a second. Could there have been a second? Absolutely could have been. But you include a second to say, hey, ride along. Hop on the other donkey and go for a ride with me. And see what it's like to ride in Jerusalem on that day where everybody's throwing a parade for all the wrong reasons. What do you want? What do I want? If I'm sitting on the diet, am I just tempted to go empire, take over, kick Rome out? Or am I going to lean into what Jesus really came to do? That's what I want you to ask today on this Palm Sunday. Ride along with Jesus. Consider what it is you want. Which kingdom you're committed to. Which kingdom you'd give your funding to, your passion to, your life to. 
Is that kingdom empire or is it shalom? God putting the world back together again. That's the question we got to ask because this week ends with Jesus laying down his life to conquer what really need to be conquered and rising from the dead. And we're going to celebrate that next Sunday in, in just understanding all that Jesus came to do. Which kingdom do you want as you ride in on this Palm Sunday? We're going to pray together. Jeff and his team is going to come up, lead us in one last song this morning that we're going to declare Jesus paid it all. It's a great reminder on this Palm Sunday that we're about shalom, not empire. And so as we sing this together, as we worship together, and I'm going to ask you to stand right now, we do so understanding what kingdom we want, who is the king, and that we desire to do the things that he wants. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I believe you invite us to ride along. As the city is in uproar, as people are remembering the text, remembering text that calls the Messiah out and believe you have come to defeat the empire and establish some new political peace for them. When you really came to lay down your life, to conquer sin, death, hell, and the grave, may we remember that on this Palm Sunday. Would you help us to be honest as we ride along with you and consider what it was like and be honest about what kingdom we're really after and just hear the way we talk and and the things that we get passionate about? Are we passionate about what you are in putting the world back together again? Because that's why you ultimately took our place, our punishment, our sin upon you and paid it all. And as we proclaim this now, we do so with great with great hope of what you are doing, what you will continue to do, and how you will work great things in and through our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name.